Live Creative Now, episode 114. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work. Because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, Passion Fluorolite Artist, Happiness Catalyst, and Creativity Instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or You think of yourself as an artist of any kind, painter, writer, musician, whatever, or anything in between, not creative or artist or anything in between. Feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life and it's how you change the world. Because here's the thing, when you change your own life, you change the world. That is how it works. I have another conversation with you to for you <laughs> today. We practice imperfectionism here at Live Creative Now. I have a conversation for you with a friend of mine named Kathy Chiba. I met Kathy at a public speaking conference, and we actually meet every single week as accountability partners for our speaking careers. And I wanted to bring Kathy on the show because we happened to be chatting about uh, a webinar that she was giving on (laughs) what she calls productivity for inaction heroes, which in and of itself is a really interesting and cool title. But she has a really unique perspective on productivity. And as we were chatting about her webinar, and her various different models of productivity, I thought, wow, my listeners, I think would really find this interesting, because I really found it interesting. So I think that's all I will tell you about it, because Kathy will tell you more about it. But before we dive into that, I I just wanted to remind you that I want you. If the podcast has made a difference in your life somehow, in a big way or in a really small way, I would like to hear your story. I would like to feature you on the podcast. I want to start sharing listener stories. And the first listener story is going to be coming up pretty soon. I've already started recording conversations with listeners. And you could be the next one. So if you have a story of how listening to the podcast has changed your life for the better in some way, again, big or small could be tiny. I want to feature you in a listener spotlight. And here's how it works. First, just log into iTunes or open up your Apple whatever it's called, the Apple podcast app or whatever, and leave a rating and review of Live Creative Now. And if you don't know how to do that, no problem. It's super easy because I have given you 
step-by-step instructions on my website. Just go to livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review. That's livecreativenow.com slash iTunes hyphen review. And I walk you through it. It's so easy. Just leave a rating. It's a a star rating. Hopefully it's a five-star rating. If you like the podcast, (laughs) that super duper helps me out, helps other people find the show. And then type in a couple of sentences about how, what you like about the podcast, how it's made a difference in your life, and then share that review with me by sending it to me in an email. If it's in your um, desktop computer or your laptop or whatever, you can copy and paste that into an email. If you know how to take a screenshot, you can take a screenshot of it and email it to me. Be aware that when you when you submit your review, you will not be able to see it right away because iTunes has some kind of a hold process on reviews. And it takes like 24 hours or so. It might even be a little longer than that, maybe 48 hours or so before reviews show up. So don't panic when you don't see your review, when it doesn't appear after you hit submit. That's totally normal. For some reason, that's just how iTunes does things. I have no control over it. It's not me. I don't approve the reviews. I have absolutely no control over it whatsoever, but just know that that's normal. So that is how you basically apply to be in a listener spotlight. It's been really fun hearing from listeners, but um, I've been really surprised at how few people have been uh, applying, as it were. I was kind of expecting to get a much bigger flood, (laughs) but I guess my listeners are kind of shy. So if you've been thinking like, oh, gee, Melissa will never pick me because she's must be getting just swamped with applications. Nope. So you have a really, really good chance of getting featured in a listener spotlight if uh, if you want. So literally, that is it. Leave a rating and review and send it to me in an email. And the way you email it to me is just go to livecreativenow.com slash contact, livecreativenow.com slash contact and send me your review. And that's just so that I know how to find it. And so that I know how to contact you because <laughs> you just emailed me so I can email you back. <laughs> so that is it. If I pick you for a listener spotlight, we'll have a really relaxed, really fun conversation. I'll make you super comfortable. It'll be comfortable and fun and easy breezy. And the recording of our conversation will be part of a future episode. So cool. So I really hope that you will apply (laughs) such a formal official word for what is really a very informal process. But I would love to feature you on the show. So with that, let's turn it over to my conversation with Kathy Chiba. How do you like to introduce yourself? Like, what do you, what labels do you use for yourself? How do you, what do you call yourself? 
oh my gosh, I have such a problem these days because I'm always like, oh, what should I call myself? Um, and I think we all have that problem when we're, you know, like if you're, you're in the process of defining yourself and also if you're someone who, you know, struggles against labels, like you really hate them. Yes. I'd say, yeah, I'd say that ultimately I'm a, I, I'm a perspective taker. Right? Perspective taker? Yeah, that's what I do in the very broad general sense. And yeah. I'm always looking at things from multiple perspective and thinking about how do I think about this in a way that makes it more inclusive, that helps explain what's going on, and and also, uh, you know, makes it more human. And it. so when it comes to um, what I do as, I mean, you know, so I do things. Yes, I would say I'm a speaker. Yes, I would say I'm a writer. Yes, I would say I'm, you know, I help people with communications, right? But it all comes down to trying to find out how to take someone else's perspective or the perspective of, yeah, you know, like just a different perspective to see what else you can understand about a situation. I love it. Well, let's dive into... And we're recording already. So is it cool if I oh, yeah. use that section that you just described? Sure. Cool. Sure. Okay, awesome. Um, I want to talk about your, your take on productivity. Right. Because you have this really interesting, you and I were having this, you, you were sharing with me specifically, it was a, it was a workshop that you were giving. Was yeah, it, it was, was actually on, a webinar. A yeah. webinar, which is basically yes. an online workshop, right? It mm-hmm. was a webinar that you were giving about productivity. And you were sharing this, this perspective of, um, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I had just never thought uh, about productivity in, in the ways that you had shared with me. So can you give me, give me a, a little overview of of what you shared and let, and yeah. then we'll just talk about it. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. Um, so when I was, so I signed up to do this webinar for an association of mine. Um, and I, it was supposed to be about procrastination and productivity. And I was calling it uh, productivity for inaction heroes <laughs> because I was thinking, ah, I know that I actually produce work of good, you know, like I do good stuff. I have done good stuff. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes I'm thinking, what am I doing? Where did that day go? I mean, this is this common, common thing that people feel. Yeah. Right? Especially if you tend to be a creative, you're like, Oh, where did my day go? I know I do good work, but uh. so I started to think about what, productivity often means because I've all my life I've been kind of a bit of a productivity junkie as in I'm always consuming things that will presumably help me find the holy grail of actually being able to feel productive and not kind of like all down on myself because (laughs) I (laughs) because wow where did that day go and it occurred to me that I was thinking about it in the wrong way or in the way that most people tend to think about productivity it actually has a history so I was thinking about models of productivity and models of work and in fact it's more about models of creating value right so when as as human beings when we work 
you know, we're not, we're not necessarily squeezing out like bits of art or bits of writing or whatever on a regular basis or, you know, and, and it's not like we always, we, we produce work, but a lot of times work is about creating some kind of value for someone. Right. Right. So, um, and that value, I mean, it is a airy fairy kind of a concept because it is, you, it's not easily measurable. It varies depending on the kind of thing you're doing. Um, so it might be raising a kid. That's a, that's a value, you know, running, uh, running a, a hundred meters in, you know, less than 10 seconds. That's something of value. Writing a song and singing it and performing it, and, you know, that's a value. And as is, you know, sending out, sending out the, you know, the emails that will eventually lead to a deal or producing things. So I guess the, when I, when I started to think about it, I thought, well, okay, so we have a way of looking at value that tends to be, in general, when we think about productivity, we tend to think about it in an industrial mode. That is, we think about productivity in a in sense, we, we must produce, like, you've got 168 hours in a week, right? And all of those hours are equal. And you're trying to produce something tangible or measurable at each point, you know, like at, at a certain rate. And, uh, and also, too, when with, a, with an industrial way of looking at things, you're always trying to maximize efficiency, you know, right. you put in you get out, you put in, you get out. And, you know, and it's industrial because it does come from like an industrial revolution approach to producing things. And productivity became a concern because people were trying to do this better because it wasn't a natural way for human beings to really work. But because of where our, you know, our thinking about productivity came from, this way of thinking has tended to dominate and what ends up happening is that a lot of folks, you know, try, try and fit, like t- try and be more productive by thinking of work in terms of an industrial model of productivity. You know, I have to be more efficient, make the most out of my time. All my time is like, you know, like uh, my hours should be equal. All of us have the same amount of time. And then I thought about the things that I have a tendency to do. and and I. And I tend to live in a different, slightly different world just because of the way I tend to be. And I realized that, okay, so I realized that there's another way of thinking about it. So if you're a performer, like if you do speeches, because you and I met at, you know, the, the, the heroic public speaking conference and we're both, you're, you're a performer, mm-hmm. right? And so you know what goes into performing, um, I did sci- like science demos for the longest time. So, you know, and I think I gravitate towards performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an in the moment kind of a thing. Athletes do this sort of thing too. So I was, uh, when we were talking earlier, we were talking about me playing goal. So I'm a goalie and you know, you're a, in, when you're in a performance mode, you're, when you're producing something of value, then you've got a very, very tiny little, very time, usually time bound and space bound and circumstance bound. Um, 
arena in which you produce something. Right. Like, like an Olympic skater or athlete mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Yeah. An Olympic athlete, uh, a performer on stage. Right. Uh, and when you're doing that, you, um, you actually, if you're doing performing at a very high level, what you're doing is you're actually integrating a whole lot of inputs that you put in over time and then putting out this output that's not necessarily measurable in terms of time or uh, like dollars or whatever it is. You can try, but it's not, it's not really the same. Right. Right. It's just much harder to measure. And so it's very, very small. And so the skill sets in that you, you you use in order to produce something of value when you uh, when you're in a performance mode are very different from the kind of skill sets you use in an industrial mode of production or industrial mode of value production. Mm-hmm. And I thought about the 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 model a little bit more, and I thought actually there's other models too. For instance, uh, a cultivation model, right, where you're growing things. You know, it's kind of an agricultural thing. And uh, so what you end up doing is you you know you you start something, you sow the seeds, and then over time you work with uh, rhythms and calendars and outside forces in order to make something come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's other ones too. We could talk about them or not, but, uh, but those were the first three that I was thinking, huh, actually when you think of productivity that way, what it allows you to do is it allows you to prioritize what sorts of things you should do to make yourself produce more, help yourself produce more value, the kind of work that you're suited to doing. It's a, it, for me, it was such a helpful paradigm shift because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about productivity as a model at all. Mm-hmm. But it just like expanded. It just made me realize, like, wow. I I think I was unconsciously, uh, you know, <laughs> that this this idea of sort of value in value out. Yeah. You know, like every hour is equal and all of that. I think that without realizing it, that idea had kind of uh, infused itself in my approach to my day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's not like I was sitting there going, saying to myself, every hour is equal and, you know, in that sort of way. But but I think that that you know industrial kind of model is just sort of it's kind of the soup that we're swimming in. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of hard to get away from that. And so it there how it has affected me is just kind of this sense of false guilt. Yes, and it's, it's, exactly. It's, and I call it false guilt because true guilt is when you're actually culpable of something. You know, mm-hmm. when you've done something wrong, when you've done something that's that's harming another person, you know? Right, right. And And there's nothing that I've done that's wrong or that's actually harmful, right? But if I'm spending time, I spend a lot of time in the morning often sitting in bed, writing in my journal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing my creative sandbox play, 
doodling, whatever. There's a lot of kind of open space time, Mm -hmm. which we need in order to do creative work. We need that. We need, we need dot connecting time. Yeah. The industrial model doesn't benefit from that. Like if you are, if you're working in a, in a, um, a sewing factory, I just happened to see a, a, a musical called rags, which takes place at during, during the industrial revolution, basically when unions were just getting started and Mm -hmm. in sweatshops, you know, there are scenes in sweatshops and right around the time of the, the, uh, the shirt, the shirt, the triangle shirtwaist fire in New York city and all of that stuff where people were literally chained to their sewing machines and Uh. sewing, you know, 16 hours a day and stuff there is no space in that model for human beings to space out sitting in bed, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. connecting dots, writing in their journals. Right. And, and that is kind of the, that's the legacy. That's the legacy for all of this, you know, kind of efficiency productivity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so here we are swimming in that soup, so big surprise that we're all walking around feeling guilty if we mm-hmm. don't, you know, like crank, 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 produce, 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 produce. I can't check off that I've, you know, produced 27 bricks today or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, it's, um, these days, I mean, it's not like it's new right now. There's a huge, res- I don't know if it's a resurgence or a huge surge and a lot of talk about self-care now. Like yeah. the fact that, you know, uh, I guess the Tom Rath and Barry yeah. Schwartz, the way we're working isn't working. The whole idea that human beings need to take care of themselves and take a break from trying to just squeeze out output all the time in order to do their best work. Right. right? And, I mean, we are recognizing that. Um, and I think that m- mostly it's just recognizing that we have, there is this legacy that we're, you know, and if you're conscientious and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to be a good productive member of society and not railing against it, then at some level you have, you know, you, you tend to internalize the idea that, that, yeah, you should be producing that if the, you know, every minute, every hour that you're not producing is an hour you're not, I don't know, being a valuable member of society. Yeah. And we vary in our, I mean, there's nothing wrong with an industrial model uh, and it suits, we can do this for short sprints. And some people are actually quite suited to doing things like for for short sprints, like, you know, like those amazing people who like crank out like, uh, I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens upon cookies at Christmas time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, those people are amazing. And, um, and the people who are good at like fine tuning that kind of production are people who are really good at looking at what can be systematized. Yeah. Right. What can be systematized? What's repeatable review? You know, what, what can we strip out that's unnecessary? Right. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's not, it has to be adapted. If you're trying to get a human to work like that, you have to figure out a way to adapt it with a human being's rhythms and, in order to make a tolerable sort of society. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love just your, your different, 
you know, using the metaphors of the different models, mm-hmm. the agricultural and the, what did you call it? The athletic or the, the performance model? Yeah. Performance. Yeah. Yeah. The performance model, because I, I was thinking about, you know, when you do a performance, you're on stage or an a- athlete is performing, you know, does, is a performer. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I just had that experience very recently when I had a speech mm-hmm. that I delivered pretty much back to back in two different, you know, back East, mm-hmm. I went uh, at a photography conference and then I delivered a variation of the same exact speech at a local high school and man, that is such a different kind of mm-hmm. productivity experience than, you know, cranking out, I don't know, 27 dozen cookies or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I appreciate cookies. I like cookies. But, oh, yeah. Know. Every year when I was a kid, my mom used to, was that person. She mm-hmm. made, I, I think it was, I can't remember how, it was so many different different kinds of cookies and she would make mm-hmm. a plate for each one of the neighbors of it literally was like 27 different kinds of cookies <laughs> wow she was that mom yeah <laughs> oh, all hail that mom <laughs> i know all hail that mom she was amazing she still is the hostess with the most she's she's incredible yeah. i am i am not that person she right. is that person and all hail that person she's amazing <laughs> When you think about all the, all that went into your performance, all that went into your speech, right? And you think about the writing that went into it, the the training that went into, uh, went into being able to be a good performer, the thinking, the rehearsal, the messy stuff that went, the the tearing your hair out bits. Oh yeah. um, (laughs) And all the things you threw out. I mean, all of that is input. And I, and the way I think about that performance model is that there's a lot of input, lots yes. of, little bits of iteration in between, but ultimately it's all for a very, very constrained output. Right. And the skill sets, I mean, uh, when it, when you're producing something, when you're actually doing something and it's going to be good, right. Or you're trying to make it good, your ability to focus in that moment and to and to stay in flow, right? Those are the things that you want to optimize. And so again, things for, if you're, if you're trying to optimize performance, uh, you can take a cue from athletes and you can take a cue from onstage performers because what they do to optimize their ability to perform, it's input, 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 train, 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 rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. And then in that moment, when you step out there, that's all you've, everything you've done, all your preparation comes to bear. Right. And your ability to focus and stay in the moment is is the thing that allows you to sort of integrate everything you've done and and create something that's amazing for yeah. that moment. Yeah, boy, and it brings back memories of you know when I started dancing when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and I remember you know for it, it really was just a handful of years, but it was an intense part of my life where I was just dedicated. Yeah, my life was dance and school. That was it, man. And I, you know, boy obsessions. But really, since I was a late bloomer, I didn't have any boyfriends or anything. It was dance and school, baby. That was it. And I remember it felt like it it just, and I was impatient, you know, 
<laughs> I wanted to yeah, be, yeah. I wanted to be amazing and I wanted to be amazing yesterday, but it's mm-hmm. not something that happens overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, l- becoming a good dancer mm-hmm. doesn't happen overnight. It takes years, right? Years of consistent daily practice. Gee, does that sound like anything? Small mm-hmm. daily acts, small daily acts, small daily acts, small daily acts consistently exactly. over time. Now this was large daily acts because I, I was dancing hours every day. Mm-hmm. Over time, over time, over time, over time. And it was maybe, I don't know, a year into it or something of three to six hours a day. Mm-hmm. I had my first dance performance. And then years later, I auditioned for Juilliard and got into Juilliard and ended up hating it. That's a whole other story. But yeah, you know, that, you know, years and years and years of consistent, consistent practice, 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 eventually you get on stage and you don't think anymore. Mm -hmm. You just do it. It's Mm -hmm. so in your body. Yeah. You just do it. You don't have to think about it anymore. You don't want to be in your head. You want to be able to just do it. And that's the magic of practice. And that's the magic of, I I remember watching, I don't remember some Olympics probably back in the eighties or the, I don't remember long time ago. And some skater, I think it was who missed a jump. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying, it was a guy. I remember him saying as he was leading into that jump afterwards, Mm -hmm. he was talking with the reporter, you know, and he was saying, what he was thinking mm-hmm. and normally, normally mm-hmm. what he, in, in every time he practiced mm-hmm. going into that triple axle or triple cell cow or whatever it was called is he would be thinking, you know, right foot in arm, this head, this, you know, he would be thinking the movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, just like the automatic thought, right. Mm-hmm. Instead he was thinking, I hope I don't mess up. Or, you know, some thought like that. Yes. He got in his head. Yeah. And that's what led him to mess up because he got in his head. If you just let your body just do it. Yeah. Your body just does it. And, you know, same thing with, you know, when we're speakers, when we don't think about um, our bodies just doing it, you don't think about it. Of course, you know, even your mouth. Yeah, is, is yeah. part of your body, right? Yeah. But that's what happens. You you train, you train, you train, you train, you train, and then you just do it. Yeah. Now there is always, uh, oftentimes there can be a part of you going, watching yourself, because I've done, oh, yeah. I certainly do it. you're like, whoa, what just came out of my mouth there? And how am I going to fix it? Well, that's you the know? interesting thing. And I remember, I remember that so, so clearly I had an opportunity when I was at Juilliard. This mm-hmm. is, this is the time that I remember it. Um, mo- I, every time I've performed, I've had this experience, whether yeah. as a dancer, as a singer, as, as a speaker, every mm-hmm. time I perform, I have, as a teacher, I have mm-hmm. this experience when I get up on stage and I, this is a universal thing. You get up on stage and there's this really interesting thing where you, you, you kind of have this out of body thing Mm -hmm. where you are aware of 
what's going on. You like, you're sort of observing yourself from outside of yourself. And so you want to be like, this is, uh, Kathy and I have, uh, one of our teachers, Michael Port talks Mm -hmm. about being so well rehearsed that you're able to improvise because you know, your stuff, you know, your speech so well that you that you have the freedom to be able to improvise. This is very different from what he calls winging it, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. you just, you really don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where you're going to fall flat on your face. But when you're really, really well rehearsed, then you're so grounded, then you can improvise. And because what happens is you, you're in the moment mm-hmm. and an audience member says something, Something happens, the fire alarm goes off, your slides mm-hmm. don't work, the, you know, y- you're in the moment, something's going to happen. So mm-hmm. how are you going to respond to that? When you are really, really well rehearsed and really grounded, then you can be present to that. And I remember having the opportunity as a, my, my year at Juilliard, I was only there for one year because I got injured, but I, I got to perform in one of the classrooms, there were, I don't know, a handful of us who did this little performance and it was just for other students. And I remember Mm -hmm. it was so weird. It was like this out of body experience where I was in the, on like completely oblivious because I was so in what I was doing in my (laughs) dance, but I was also completely aware of what everyone around me was doing. Like, oh, that person just smirked. That person just smiled. That person just winked. Like every single person, it was like time slowed down. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I could see everything. It was amazing. I will never forget that moment. And it's like that every time I perform, I have this kind of superhuman sensory ability mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, because you're integrating all this sensory information that's coming in and and at some level you're aware of it. And yet at the same time, you've managed to, yeah, you've got, you've got a lot of this on automatic. Yes. But the other thing is that you're actually so aware of where you're going to go. Like, you know what the boundaries are, right? You know what the boundaries of the performance are. Because you have gotten to know it so well, so you know where you're going, you know where you're headed, right. you, know where, you know where you have to make something land. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that when it comes to trying to optimize, let's say, like the value you produce as a, you know, if you are performing or if you're doing something that requires performance, it is all about that sort of preparation, focus in the moment, and that awareness of where the boundaries are, what you're trying to land. Yeah. And, uh, and so if, you, you know, if you're someone who tends to be, end up doing that kind of work, then you know, the, there are lots of, way, you know, lots of places to mine that kind of information where you can sort of start to borrow practices that are helpful for, yeah. for that. This is so cool. Yeah, I well, it. it's, I love, I, I'm, I've really been enjoying thinking about this because one of the things that I'd had a lot of um, 
some problems with is that, you know, you, you get those lists of productivity tips. You see them all the time in, I don't know, online magazines, your list of typical listicles, you know, yeah. 50 ways to own your life, right? And it's this gigantic dump of all these productivity tips. And you think, oh, well, yeah, I should, I should meditate. I should, you know, keep a, keep a paper notebook. I should, you know, keep a bullet journal. I should, um, oh, what else? I should drink Soylent. Um, you know, I should do whatever <laughs> Elon Musk does. And, you know, we, and so we get all these lists, right? And we're like, and what if I don't do them all? Am I going to be less productive? And, and as much as, you know, if we think about it, it's just, it's really super ridiculous. You can't do everything. <laughs> and you can't do, you know, like, yeah, you just can't do everything. But I think we have a fear of, uh, we often have a fear of not taking that good advice from the person who seems to have done well. Right? Yeah, so true. Yeah. And I think if we don't acknowledge, you know, what sort of work we tend to do and that we tend to gravitate towards, then we end up making the mistake of trying to fit ourselves to a productivity system or a product, a, you know, a productivity model that doesn't really work for us and that we, and you know, we'll end up unconsciously fighting it, just messing it up, being terrible at it and feeling bad about ourselves. Yeah. And, um, and I think that, well, for me anyway, I spend a lot of, t- I have spent a lot of time and a lot of wasted energy feeling bad about not doing things the way I think I should be doing them. Yeah, As a, tell me about yes. it. Yeah. And, and even if I got that time back, I'd be like, yay, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, totally. I would have so many more hours in the day. <laughs> so I mean, some people have this benefit of not worrying about that stuff and they just go do, which is like, I wish I would, I wish I were those guys. <laughs> You and me both, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, no, a lot of my, a lot of my time and energy is in fact directed towards guilt for not, you know, for not fulfilling some sort of idea of who I can be. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. This is the laughter of recognition. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great. I want to move on to our something mm-hmm. cools. I know you brought something to share. Mm-hmm. I know you oh, brought something oh. cool. What What is your something cool? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think you are. This is a, it's an audio podcast, so I'm like, I'm going to hold up this big paper punch. Woo-hoo! Oh, maybe you can share a picture of it. Yeah, I can do that, actually. Um, it's, okay, so this is, uh, or... The paper punch I'm showing you is, uh-oh, did I just, uh... Wait. You're still here. Okay, all right. I accidentally touched something. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the, I'll share a picture of it. But basically, this is a uh, M by Staples paper punch for a disc-bound notebook. And mm-hmm. disc-bound notebooks are... are you, you can find them in, you know, stores like, I think there's something called a Circa notebook. I think Martha Stewart has a version. Uh, it's a, so there's the Circa notebook by Levenger and, you know, which is a big stationary geek place store. Um, but Staples has its own version and it's very inexpensive. But the idea is that you have these plastic discs and I can 
discs and then you can make these customized notebooks with them and the paper punch allows you to basically you know punch paper it's not a three ring binder system which the three rings binders kind of drive me crazy <laughs> whereas these things actually allow you to make these little notebooks that are customized and I've been playing around with doing my own paper planners because I keep buying planners, messing with them, and then going, oh, this doesn't work for me either, right? <laughs> and at least this way, I can make customize the notebooks I, you know, the way I want. Because, so uh, the, these allow you to, the advantage of the disc binders mm-hmm. is that it holds the paper, but you can pull the paper out and put it back in very easily without having to snap open and closed the rings like a three ring binder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I can share some pictures of it, but uh, the idea is that you have these little mushroom shaped holes. So the punch actually makes these little sh- holes on the side. And then the disc is, has, has these ridges. So you actually fit them in. So yes, you can just pull them out, move things around. So it's like a three ring binder, except you just peel things out and put them in. Nice. I've seen them in the Levenger catalog. I used to get that catalog and the appeal to, to for somebody like me is like with um, spiral bound paper, the paper's stuck where it is. Yeah. So you can't move it around mm-hmm. and that's crazy making. But with three ring binders, you have to like snap it open and snap it closed and the paper always gets like torn up and stuff. And that's annoying. Yeah, yeah. Snap it open, snap it close. Move you if to move things around. You take out everything that's in front of something and then put it back in. And whereas, you know, it's, it's, and then you're reluctant to customize because it's going to drive you crazy. And I think that oh no, I think that the, this this just gives you some flexibility while you're trying to work out a way of doing things that works for you. And I think one of my issues has always been where you're trying to find, you know, a productivity system that works for you. And it, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but sometimes you need to rearrange the, the, the wheels, the parts of the car. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of a bad metaphor, but you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but sometimes you need to rearrange it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have to figure out where else it should go. Yeah, exactly. I love it. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. Well, my something cool for today is actually something that you had on your list. So Kathy sent me a whole list of her possible something cools. And the top one on the list was one that I had on uh, in my list of something cools. And I figured, well, I'll go ahead and share it today because we can have a conversation about it. And that is the Headspace app. Oh, yeah. Which is an app that I started using. uh, Well, actually, I probably started using it about a month ago. I haven't been using it every day. So I'm actually only on like day 17. (laughs) But Uh uh it's a meditation app. And I first heard about it, I don't know, months ago or something. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then a friend of mine from somebody in my improv group, I'm in a couple of different improv performance groups. And one of my groups called The Bookworms, a friend of mine has been using this app and he was raving about it. And I thought, oh yeah, I forgot about this app. So I downloaded it and they have a free trial. And I thought, well, I'll try it for the free trial. And I think it's 10 days, maybe. I think they have a 10 10 day free trial. It's called Take 10. And 
you download it from the iTunes store and you get 10 days and it's the app is so beautifully designed on the front on your dashboard it shows you this timeline and every day there's a little dot and it takes you to whatever day you're on automatically and it shows you you're on day 1 or day 5 or day 10 or whatever it is and you tap that day and it pushes play and Andy Puttacombe, I think is his name. Yeah. He, it automatically plays this little 10 minute meditation with his voice. And it's, he's very friendly and very accessible. And every few days right before that little 10 minute meditation audio is a little animation. And they're really cute and really friendly. My only complaint really is that so far, every single animation, the little characters, which are not, they're, they're little animations. They're all male with beards. They're male. I mean, they're little, they're not, they're humanoid. They're not even human. They Mm -hmm. do not have to be male. They're all male. So I'm extremely annoyed about that fact. But other than that, it's brilliantly designed app. You can join for it's like twelve ninety nine a month after your first the first ten days, or I think it's ninety nine dollars a year, or there's a uh, lifetime for like three ninety nine three hundred ninety nine dollars or something like that. And mm-hmm. Kathy pointed out, I don't think I even figured this part out yet because I I haven't yeah. gotten fifteen days in a row. But mm-hmm. if you get fifteen days in a row, I think it is, you can gift somebody else a free month, which is pretty cool. So they've got this community thing figured out. You can connect with other people uh, mm-hmm. who are in the Headspace community. So you and I need to connect because yeah, yeah. you're a Headspace person. So we should we should connect. In it once you join, and I've got a, a I'm in my I'm still in my free month. So I'm but I'm probably pretty close to the end of that. And so then I'll it'll kick over to paying either the monthly twelve ninety nine or whatever it is or decide whether I'm going to buy for the, for a year. Once you pay, once you start paying, then you also have access to singles, which are individual, um, individual, you know, one-off meditations and they have them for all different kinds of things. There's little SOS (laughs) meditations, which I haven't listened to any of these yet, but if you have, you know, like a stressful moment or something, there's a little two or three minute meditations you can listen to. There's meditations for all kinds of different situations. There was one I was really excited for. There was some on um, commuting, but then I realized, and I was going to use them for, I had to drive to San Francisco for something. And then I realized, oh no, these are not for driving. These are for if you're on the train or the bus or in a carpool <laughs> or something. Right. So, oops, didn't get to use that because um, I was driving. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I really, really enjoying it. The only, the other, only other issue with Headspace that um, is not really an issue for anybody else is that I have, for the past five years, been a follower of Susan Piver, who mm-hmm. is a Shambhala meditation teacher and nominally a follower. I mean, I subscribed to her Open Heart Project way back when, when she was sending out, and highly, highly recommended, by the way. Susan Piver's Open Heart Project. Okay. Susanpiver.com slash 
OHP or just do a search on Open Heart Project. And now she sends out a free meditation instruction video once a week. And then she has paid versions. And she teaches, her lineage is Shambhala, and she teaches open eye meditation and headspace is closed eye meditation. And I really prefer the open eye because that's what I'm used to. And there's great reasoning for it. One of which is you're less likely to fall asleep. And another is the thinking behind, this is my bastardization of what Susan Piper teaches from her lineage. The thinking behind it is that the idea behind meditation is not that you get used to being all, um, you know, in the present moment when you're sitting with your eyes closed, (laughs) but that you get used to being in the present moment in the post-meditation experience as well, which is the rest of your life. And you're more likely to be walking around with your eyes open during the post-meditation experience, which is the rest of your life. So there's that. Um, So I just keep my eyes open, even though Andy in Headspace says to close your eyes now. I just just disregard that part. Um, Anyway, I think it's a great app. So I'd love to hear any other thoughts that you have on it since I know you use it. Yeah, well, it took me, I started using it like last, mid last year or something. I think I saw, I was watching somebody's Periscope. I think it was John Acuff. And he says, oh yeah, I was just using the Headspace app. It was kind of cool. And I thought, huh. So I decided, yeah, I'll check it out. And I thought, oh, cool, monsters. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Monsters in there, I like them. Um, Monsters in their little animations and yeah. Yeah, but uh, the open eye stuff, There, uh, one thing I mentioned is I was using the ones, some of the competition ones. Oh, and competition. Because, you know, the competition ones for sport, sport on the go. Because I thought, well, if it doesn't help me anywhere else, maybe it'll help me with my goalie stuff, right? You know, And because goal, goaltending is a focus, basically, it, it's ultimately, it's a focus game, right? This what is for look- hockey, right? Yeah, goalie. hockey goalie. So yeah. I'm a you know ice hockey goalie, recreational level, you know. And but I, I always thought of it as almost like a moving meditation. But they yeah. do have an open eye kind of thing where he, he has this thing where you focus on an object or something like that. And so you, you can do it. But I think he mostly teaches the closed eye as a way of making it probably a little bit more accessible and to make things easier for people who are beginning with it. Um, the other thought I had with the meditation practice is it took me, a, I thought, oh, why would I buy an app, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like listening to them. And the other thing is that I'm li- as I'm listening and as someone is teaching about meditation, what I find interesting is how much it's, it informs or how much of that, the thinking behind meditation um, is overlaps with things like your creative sandbox play um, with, with you know what I need in order to like focus when I'm goaltending um all of these things about basically staying with things yeah and not judging yeah you know if you're gonna if you're gonna notice something you can very lightly label something but you don't go and like chew it up with your brain right um (laughs) because when you chew it up with your brain you're actually over focusing on that one thing instead of staying with with the whole experience so and true. so, 
And it's, it's wonderful to have someone who actually can help you guide, help guide you through a lot of the sort of typical things that you're, you're inclined to do. And also it's kind of almost, it's nice to sort of look forward to listening to a little headspace thing, just cause you know, it's friendly. It's like a friend. <laughs> I agree. I find it's a nice little incentive to have mm-hmm. like, for me, it's a little, oh yeah, and then I'll get that little, I did one more day. Oh yeah, I don't want to miss it. Even though I did, you know, it's, I only have three in a row right now. I miss it a yeah. lot. But, but it's still, there's something about that that dashboard that has a little timeline and oh yeah, I could get one more. And I know that there's that voice there that's going to get me a little, it's, yeah. I, I find it, it's a bigger incentive for me to have that little voice in my ear, the friendly voice in my ear, than yeah. to just do it on my own. Yeah, yeah. I like it. And, and I think it also reinforces a core skill set of anybody who's trying to get, you know, something where, where you're trying to stay in focus and in flow for, um, yeah, definitely. for anything that you do. Yeah. Do you, do you know after the first, there's three foundation series mm-hmm. that each is each one I think is 10 days long or something. Yeah. Yeah. After that, are there ongoing um, little 10 minute guys that you can listen to? Yeah. You can, when, when you set up things, you can, you can pick these different packs if you'd like to, you know, address a particular thing. It'll be focused, let's say uh, anxiety or, um, uh, self-esteem. There's some other ones. Um, and you can folk, you can have it for like a 10 minute, you can set it for 10 minutes. You can set it for 20 minutes. You can set it for 15. You can also go back to, you can select packs that are basically, um, will nudge you towards unguided meditation practice. Uh And, and so you can make basically make it the way you want, right? And take the path you want. Well, that's pretty cool. I, yeah. I think it's very, it's just brilliantly designed. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot you can learn um, from it, just in terms of how to motivate yourself mm-hmm. um, to do, you know, to do those small, tiny, daily things that that ultimately, you know, make your life better. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, with that, we've got our something cools. We had a great conversation. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me. This is really, really fun. I loved getting a chance to hear your brilliant thinking and have you on the show. Thank (laughs) you a lot. Thanks for inviting me. That was super fun. And yay for Headspace. And and yay for like Tiny and Daily. Always yay for Tiny and Daily. All right. I will talk to you soon. Okay. See you later. See ya. Bye. Bye. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kathy Chiva. Let me know if you resonated. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes or the Apple podcast app, wherever you listen, and leave a rating and review and email it to me if you would like to be considered 
for a listener spotlight. I would love to have a conversation with you and share it here on the podcast. Here's what NARS3S wrote. Subject is helping my creativity. Five stars. Melissa's podcast and insights have been so helpful for me. I've doubted my creativity for so long, and it's great to hear from others about their process and the inspiration that they share. Here's to our collective creativity. Thank you, NARS3S. That was awesome. That was it. It was, what, two, three sentences, super short, straight to the point, easy breezy. It doesn't take much to write uh, a great review. So if you're concerned about making it perfect, you can let go of that perfectionism and just write what is in your heart. That is it. Until next time. Thanks again for joining me. And go get creating. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.